1: Big Face Coffee Steals Beans in Boston and we're going to talk about Golden States and NBA Finals here on Unfair Sports where we take a pensive approach to these sports conversation we're also going to dive into some NFL talk, quarterbacks getting to work out, we've got one missing OTAs, everybody's losing their minds, Uh, we can definitely talk about that Uh, hit us up on the Unfair Fan Line 430 901-1906 and leave us your best comment, answer our question of the month what's the most irrational thing you did as a sports fan what did you break what did you get mad how did your emotions change you want to hear about it 430-901-1906 happy weekend everybody happy weekend um this episode's gonna be a little bit lighter wanted to bring it earlier this week but i decided you know what Let's see if Miami doesn't make me look bad. And obviously they did not. Big face coffee pulled up Jimmy Buckets, 47, forcing the game seven. That's what you want. So I'm going to ramble a lot about the conference finals. I'm going to dive into some NFL conversations and actually there was a hire in the NBA too. So we've got that breaking news, you know, breaking news down. Do 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 whatever that noise is. Um, The Lakers have a coach and I think I'm going to start there. since that's the most breaking news. Darvin Ham will be taking the helm at the Los Angeles Lakers. He spent the last few years with the Milwaukee Bucks as an assistant under my Boonhauser. Honestly, he's been with my Boonhauser for the last nine years now he he's been with them since 2013 in atlanta's when he started working with him so a little background on our guy ham spent just under a decade in the nba bounced around or whatnot spent some time in the d league at the time as well played in spent some time in albuquerque as well as in austin with the toros so solid career you know he came in the league, he played, say so he bounced around, Pistons, Pacers, Wizards, uh, played with the Bucks for a few years, played in Atlanta, played in Denver. So he's, he's bounced around the league, but he put together a solid career. Not much flash with him, didn't average many points, but he was a good contributor in some capacities. I remember Darvin Ham the most from two things. One, college at Tech, uh, where he decided that he didn't like the rim anymore and he shattered it on a tip dunk against North Carolina. You know, if you watch the grainy footage of it, it's actually pretty dope watching him do that. And he just went up, boom, shattered that bad boy. So I remember Darvin Ham from that. And then the 97 dunk contest when he was competing against Kobe and he lost. Still like he was cheated. Now, his dunks were... Well, were they were underrated. They also were underwhelming, but there was a there was some difficulty to them that should have made them stand out more. So we didn't get much of that from him. So So it was interesting that the Lakers ended up selecting him. Do I think this will work? I think it can. Uh Ham has a reputation of holding people accountable as well as making people better like he helped the development of Giannis and growing in that um, at the later portion of the growth you know the initial growth honestly really goes to Jason Kidd as he was there when he was a kid but he's he's known for actually forcing players to be accountable he's someone that players at his size would re- not only respect but I mean kind of imposing 6'7 220 ish probably more than that at this point at his age so They're not going to punk him. Let's put it like that. He'll push back on a lot of stuff. Outside of that, looking at the other candidates they had, like Terry Stotts was there. I'm honestly shocked he didn't get the job. It felt like that was his to to take. But the other candidates the Lakers were looking at, like Quinn Snyder, Kenny Atkinson, who made it to the final rounds, Taylor Jenkins out there in Memphis, they were interviewing him as well. They all came from the Mike Bootenholzer tree. So I'm guessing the Lakers are putting a lot of value in Boone Hoser right now. He got one ring and he's put together some really good teams that couldn't finish it this past year, his Atlanta teams. So I'm guessing they're hoping that that the, 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 the fruit doesn't fall too far from the tree with Darvin Ham or whatnot. But the other thing with Ham too is that he did coach under Phil Jackson, like 2011 to 2019. He spent time with him, so he's right there before Kobe got those last two championships. But he um, was—he learned that was his first assistant coaching job was under Phil. So I think that the management of personalities, the the time management piece will probably be better with him in comparison to what like we saw with Vogel and massive changes of lineups. He may see more consistency. So let's see how that works. Now the question is going to be, is are they going to keep Russell Westbrook? I They got to. They ain't got no choice, right? I mean, who's going to trade for him? Unless they send John Wall for him and then somehow loop him back to Oklahoma City, there's no way that they get rid of Westbrook or get somebody else. So... I'm guessing he's just going to figure it out with Westbrook, figure it out with LeBron and Anthony Davis. Hopefully they can stay healthy, but I like the hire. I think it's a good hire. I think it's worth it. Let's see what comes forward on that. Now that we got breaking news out of the way, let's jump into my rambles around the conference finals. So first off, shout out to big Jimmy Buckets, big face coffee, went out there and did what I told y'all he was going to do. He finally showed up after being absent for, what, two games straight. um, I had to answer to that. I got the text messages. I got the hate mail. Um, You're right. I I have to answer for it. And I think my answer for it is that he's 32 years old and he's had knee soreness the entire playoffs. And that was just the games that populated the knee soreness. Now, he was pretty bad. I mean, that's not something you would expect from a player that is the literally only offensive option on this team. But he gave us two duds, eight, six, and then 13. He gave us eight in a win. Luckily, Bam out of showed up offensively for the first time in the playoffs. But then he gave us six and 13, and that's not what I was expecting out of him, especially the guy that's leading all players in points per game in the playoffs right now. But then he gave us that 47 11 for 11 from the line, 4 for 8 from 3, 16 for 29 from the field. The man was everywhere. 45 minutes, the most minutes that he's played in the playoffs so far was in his elimination game, and that's what you want from an alpha dog. That's what you want from a guy that will put the team on his back and make it happen. He played 45 minutes at 82 years old with a sore knee. Shout out to Buckets, man. He did it. Problem for him is, though, he literally is the only offensive weapon on this team. Bam Adebayo looks like he's afraid of Al Horford. Now I'm curious to what he's going to look like against Draymond, someone who's going to be just as physical as an Al or a Robert Williams. Now, Robert is a different animal. I'll talk about him in a minute. But Bam just does not look like he he's, he's being aggressive. Like, it, he really does look like those guys intimidate him. And I don't know why. Like, there's nothing about – I mean, Al Horford h- is a hustler. But there's nothing about him that tells me he bam you should be afraid of him. Bam, you're a big dude. I mean, you, you go up against Giannis. Like you're the one guy that we know can guard Giannis on 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 the on the defensive side with almost ease, relative ease. You can do it. You're physical enough to be there and you're fast enough to keep up with him. But why is it that Al Horford and Robert Williams got you looking timid? And Grant Williams. Grant Williams was bodying him up. So I think Bam is, I think he's top, let me see, I'll give him top five centers in the league. I'll give him top five centers. I'll give him top 10 power four in the league right now. I just need him to play like that deep in these playoffs. I mean, First round, yeah. Second round, he was a little bit more solid against Philly. But this one, the inconsistencies, man. Now, the, now I will say this. He played 41 minutes. Defensively, he was really good. Him and P.J. Tucker were on it. Shout out to Victor Oladipo, man. He's been struggling offensively. Coming back off that quad injury that he had, what, in 2021? And... He's playing some really good defense. Like that's the one thing I can give to Victor. He's playing great great defense. Offensively we're we're trying to get back there. But defensively, he's playing very very well. That's the one thing I will give to him and I can't even fight it. I mean, he's got almost two steals a game. Almost, he's about, yeah, just under two steals a game right now in this series. So, yeah, 1.7. So, he's he's doing it. And he's low on turnovers. His assist numbers aren't there. He ain't really rebounding. But it's just we need to get him to score more points. So, besides that, let's argue refs. The discourse on social media, especially Twitter, where both NBA Twitter people and NBA you know, people converse a lot live during the games, There's a lot of complaints. Ah, the fouls. They're trying to force a game seven. They really want this to happen. Nah, man. Um, The refs have been bad overall in this series. But in this game, it was a both sides piece. Not going to lie. They called 27 fouls against the Heat. 28 against the Celtics, and most of that happened late in the second half. We saw P.J. Tucker foul out. We saw Jalen Brown foul out. Grant Williams almost did. Kyle Lowry fouled. I'm sorry, sorry. Max Struess and Kyle Lowry fouled out. P.J. Tucker did not foul out, but he had five fouls. So he had six from Lowry, six from Strus, five from Tucker. Butler had one. Bam had one. And the rest of the fouls were basically off the bench. Whereas on their side, it was Jalen Brown had six and Grant Williams had five. Everybody else had either four or less. That's just counting that. The free throw discrepancy was even crazier. Boston shot 31 free throws where Miami had shot 25. At one point, it was 13 of four to start the game, which I don't know felt like the game was going a lot more on the Boston side. It was like a mo- little bit more lean to Boston. Then it felt like they needed to even it up. So they started leaning more Miami. But Miami not being able to get to the line with a lot of the play they did inside. Either Robert Williams is the greatest shot blocker ever where he can get everything clean. Or they just weren't calling anything. But I feel like most of the time they weren't calling a lot of body fouls. That was my complaint in the game. They weren't calling a lot of body fouls in favor for Miami. Now, a lot of those fouls that Miami were called for were legitimate fouls. I'm not going to lie. There were some that were missed. There were some missed on both sides, though. That's the thing. And, that's, and I think that's where we have to understand that not only is this job really difficult for the officiating staff, it's, it's, it's way more difficult than you think, especially looking from our view to their view. Their, I mean, their level view. We're up here looking, and we can see everything. Even on instant replays, we get 40 different angles. They don't get that. They got to call it as it goes. And so I try to defend refs as much as possible, but sometimes you can tell when it's like, hey, man, you got to – that was not it. But at the same time, I don't want a whole bunch of replays. I prefer the human element of refing to go ahead and be in here. I don't like them to decide games. I think at the end sometimes you should kind of let certain things slide, allow a little bit more physicality. Like that foul that they called on, um, on White, on Derek White when he hit P.J. Tucker in the chest. I get why they call that foul because traditionally when you are trying to get an intentional foul they call that foul. So there's no reason for them not to call it now. You see what I'm saying? So uh, there's a lot of arguments that can be made around that. I don't feel like we should be there. So besides that, we got game seven. It's on Sunday. If Miami wins, I'll be right. (laughs) If they don't, I'll be wrong, but I won't be mad because I, I I want Miami to win it this year because I want Jimmy Butler to, to lead a team to a championship and get his recognition. He's not the best regular season guy. He's not a regular season superstar, but he shows out in the playoffs, and he's shown it for the last three years. Two of the last three years, he been to the Eastern Conference Finals. And it's because of him. It's not because of just a big team aspect. He has led them. He carried them into the finals, had all those injuries, and you saw him will them to at least one win against the Lakers and the infamous pitcher. But I think that infamous pitcher is going to come back in this series because I think Houston, the 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 Miami Heat's cooked. They have no one else that can can create their own offensive shot. No one else can. I'm going through the the... The Twitter threads from like Steven Jones Jr. or Nikias, uh, they basically break down the break down like the possessions and stuff, and you can tell that no one else for that team is truly creating shots. Struce is shooting threes. Vincent's shooting threes, and that's really about it. You've got Jimmy Butler going in and out. Bam looks like he's afraid, and then Victor Oladipo is still trying to get his bearings because he hasn't had a summer to actually work out because he's been dealing with injuries last couple of years so if they go against golden state i'm terrified that they're going to get cooked but there is a path to beating them and i'll explain that on the other side so with that game seven i'm glad we got it because i think that this is going to this was one of the better games we've had in the playoffs especially in the conference finals and i think that we're going to get another really good one on sunday so be prepared and all that jazz
0: Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data. Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas. Visit cox.com internet for details.
1: Let's jump into these golden state warriors. Now the warriors are in the finals. They beat the Dallas Mavericks. They did everything I told you that they would. They sent the Mavs to Cancun and the Mavericks did everything I said that they shouldn't do. And that's how they lost. We'll explain that in a moment, but here's a little nugget that I thought was pretty cool. We have to talk about the Warriors are headed to their six finals in the last eight years. Last person to get closer to that is LeBron. He went to nine and 10 and MJ who went to six and eight, or you could say he went to six and seven since technically he missed an entire year, but he was, he was, he's been, you know, six of, you know, at least eight years, if not seven there. And so, that's a really impressive run. You got to give a shout-out to to Steph and them. Like, these Warriors have been together 10-plus years, Draymond, Steph, Clay, building together as their big three. I mean, the only ones we've seen that outside of that is the San Antonio Spurs with Tim Duncan, Manny Ginobili, and Tony Parker because – It's really hard to put together a run like this and put together teams that could be coherent and work together like this. You have to have two things. I had tweeted this out before that you got to have an organization that's willing to spend, and you got to have players that are willing to buy in. And that's what Golden State is. At the same time, the front office built the entire team around those two, those players, the main players. Draymond's not the offensive threat. He's not. We know this. He can put up some shots. He shoots like he's wearing a backpack, but he makes some of them here or there. So you kind of, in theory, have to respect him because when he does make them, it's usually the clutch ones. Him and Marcus Smart are the funniest dudes in the NBA to me because they have the most confidence and will shoot shots that you're like, dog, don't shoot that shot. But when it's clutch, they hit them. They hit a lot of clutch ones. Like, key points in the third or fourth quarter when they really need that shot they'll make them if it's just a casual shot as the game is going on they're gonna brick it they're gonna airball it it's gonna be badly missed but if you need a clutch one both of them always come through it's the, the craziest phenomenon there's need to be a, 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 a case study on those two when it comes to that but besides that part it's really hard to be able to build an organization like that. Like we always talk about, you know, people like to say, you know, this team was built and not bought, blah blah blah. No, they bought them. They they drafted them and they pay them. And the way they buy them is they give them those max contracts. That's buying a buying an, a setup because they can leave and go get more money somewhere else. But they're not because they're getting the most money at home. So they bought they bought them. Don't don't play yourself. But the key thing is is the building portion of it. When you're doing trades and you're getting players together that's building a roster still. so it's just that that i hate that narrative around building and buying why would why should these players ever trust the front office to do it themselves if we've watched them not be able to ever do it you see what i'm saying like we we and i don't want like bringing lebron into this but we we harp on him and his ability to move around and having player empowerment and stuff and it's like yeah every player would have liked to have had that in the 80s and 90s they would have. They would have done it. They're lying to you when they say they wouldn't because back then they would complain about not having help or that they're, they're, there's nobody good. Go read their memoirs. Go read them talking about it when they, during the time, like right afterwards, or, or look at the press quotes. They did it. Everybody did. Barkley did it. Jordan did it. They all did it, especially to the front office guys and the ownership behind closed doors. But it's really hard to get a front office that understands, okay, this is who we are, and we're going to lean into that, as well as get a coach that's prepared for it. So shout out to them. Shout out to Golden State for building that. Like only thing I hated about Golden State is that they stole Kevin Durant from Oklahoma City, not because they needed him, just because they needed him off of the the Thunder's roster. If they with him on the Thunder roster and the way the Thunder was set up. They were built. I mean, we, we saw them go up 3-1, and if they would have just buckled down and stayed the way they were, game six clay wouldn't have happened. But they got comfortable. You can tell. They were lackadaisical in their defense. But besides that part, Dallas, man. The secret to beating Golden State, honestly, Oklahoma City had the formula they were healthy in those years with the runs with, with Kevin Durant, Oklahoma City would have gotten at least one ring and taken at least one of those away from Golden State. It would have. I'm telling you now. Because the secret was defenders that can keep up with the speed of that team. Oklahoma City played the size and length game. Everybody was really long, wingspan and they were quick enough and agile enough to get there. Andre Roberson and Tabo Cephalosha were underappreciated because they could do all – they basically made it to where defensively the Thunder could be be as reckless as they wanted to be. They they picked up the slack and made up for the mistakes. So when Westbrook would go out and try to jump on passes or Kevin would jump on passes and try to get quick, fast breaks and get transition stuff. Roberson, if they missed it, would be there to clean it up. So that's how you beat Golden State. So out of the two teams left, I honestly think Boston has the best chance of beating them because Boston can create offensively, but Udoka has gotten them on the defensive side where they're Hawks. Now, the problem for Boston to me is that Boston is still reckless and you can see the youth out there. Like this game and the game they lost when they went down 2-1. That's what, That was the two most reckless games I've seen out of them. They're turning the ball over like crazy. They had 17 turnovers. I expect that out of Miami because of Boston's defense, but Boston should not have had 17 turnovers. And it was the other game, in, it was a game three Boston had, Boston only lost and gave my six points, by the way. But they had 23 turnovers. Miami had only eight. It was a 19 to two steals difference. Being careless, that's all it is. Boston has a careless tendency, and it's because their two main guys are young. Like, um, I think it's Vinny Goodwill that mentioned this on Twitter that Jalen Brown will be really is, is a great player when he doesn't dribble. And it's no shade to him. It's just when he gets to dribbling, the ball just disappears. He turns the ball over a lot. But when he catches it, gets it in the post, or gets it on the outside and you know, gets his jabs, gets his shots up, Jalen Brown's ridiculous. I mean, he scored 40 in that game. He had seven turnovers. That's usually what hurts you. And so the secret to beating, so for Miami, the problem is is they don't have enough scores. Tyler Hero's done. He ain't coming back. They'd be stupid to bring him back because if they bring him back, they're basically going to hunt him the entire time on the defensive side because he has a growing injury. Hurts with explosiveness. It hurts with being able to go up. Nikias, they talked about this, and I thought it was I, it, it, it's spot on. He's not physically able to do what you need him to do in order to win that game. So, And I see the $90 million that was spent on Duncan Robinson was a waste of money because he is a liability on defense, and the man just forgot how to shoot. I really hope that we don't have another Kyle Singler situation with Duncan Robinson. Please, Duncan, don't be Kyle Singler. People are going to eat you alive. And so I'm seeing why you're not playing. You're just not playing good at all, like at all. Like you're not – it's not going to work. So secret is defense. That's how you beat them. And also, don't try to play them in their own game. Don't do what Dallas did, Miami or Boston. Beat them with defense. Don't try to outshoot them. And I completely forgot to make mention of Steph Curry winning the inaugural Magic Johnson trophy for the Western Conference Finals MVP. Yeah, so if, y- if y'all didn't know this, the NBA has updated and redesigned all their trophies. So they have a redesigned version of Larry O'Brien, which was former commissioner of the NBA, is the trophy for the winning the NBA Finals, and then and then of course Bill Russell's uh, Finals MVP award, and then the Conference Finals trophies they've actually renamed them for Bob Cousy for the East, and in the West is named after Oscar Robinson, and so that's for the Conference championship trophy you know the the big trophy they hold up after they you know make it to the finals or whatnot and then they added two new trophies which is i guess you could say some additional participation trophies because people complain so much about the mvp not including playoffs because the mvp is a regular season award but without that being said the eastern conference trophy that is called the larry bird eastern conference finals mvp award and the most valuable player of the western conference finals is the magic johnson award and so now steph curry has this award he has one thing over lebron that lebron can't say that he has and now you can use this in every argument possible to talk about how i guess steph is better than everybody else because he has a trophy for an award that's only been available to him i don't know now i'm not as hard when on this as everybody else is like I I don't I don't hate it that much that they create these trophies because I like the fact that they're honoring the greats because there's limits to how much you know there's only so many trophies you can provide there's only so many awards that actually exist so many things you can name after people and so this gets kind of an opportunity to do that but I just hate how this is going to be leveraged within discourse around basketball how those conversations are going to go I'm annoyed by that part of it already, and I haven't even started hearing it yet. Actually, I did see a meme of someone posted that Steph has one and LeBron has zero, as if LeBron wouldn't have 10. Right. MJ would have six. Because you would get it from making it to the finals. And to me, I do feel like that something that is underrated and underappreciated. Is when a team makes it to the finals because it's not like it's easy. Usually, everyone has the same circumstances except for injuries, but it's really hard to get to the finals. Really hard, and that's something that should be commemorated. Something that, that should be appreciated. And like I said, I, I, I'm not as against this, but I don't know how. I don't know how you could truly do it. I guess that's the thing. Is like there's no true solution to this problem. Well, the problem that they just created. There's no real solution to really appreciating players. And that goes back to the fi- the MVP conversation of no, it's supposed to be a regular season award, the person that did the most for their teams, that set NBA records or really showed out in the season, especially when their team struggled in some capacity. So in some cases it's supposed to be like this. This is what it's supposed to be like. And there's nothing wrong with that. We just got to get past the thought process that it has to be something definitive. Um that it has to be the guy that has the most points or the guy that has the most, because re- you, you can't, you can't give it to the scoring, the scoring person that has a scoring title can't always win MVP. Cause a lot of the times their teams aren't even good enough to make the playoffs or they, they did not, they, they didn't excel better than some others. let put it like that. They, or they didn't overcome more than others. But this is going to be a fun conversation for years to come. Just know that if you ever bring up conference, finals MVPs to me ever I'm gonna ignore you I'm probably gonna delete and block you and we'll never talk again just FYI all right let's chat NFL so had some good news that dropped earlier this week and I feel like it's something worth talking about Colin Kaepernick got a workout with the Oakland Raiders and that's probably one of the better news we've got now the NFL in a bit It warms my heart seeing that some team is going to give him a chance, especially because Kaepernick is good enough to start in this league. Now, he hasn't played in, what, eight years-ish, and we don't know what he looks like, but sources are saying, let me pull up this article really quickly while I look through. Sources say his workout went well. The Raiders aren't going to tell us any details, but the workout went well. He looked in great shape. He threw the ball with considerable arm strength. He looked like he did in his six-year career. Now, they just recently gave a three-year deal, $121 million extension to Derek Carr, so there's very little chance that Kaepernick can walk in there and take his job, but... They are starting to try trying to strengthen their backups because Derek Carr's tendency of getting hurt. So you're gonna need somebody that's gonna be able to step in and actually win games to keep the ball rolling. And if you want me to be honest, Kaepernick's their best option. He's the best backup quarterback in the NFL if he's given the chance. And I think he can start on at least ten teams. That includes rookies that you may want to play, but I mean, you probably don't need to. Honestly, San Francisco should probably call him. If they're trying to mold Trey Lance, shit, bring in Kaepernick. You can win a lot of games with Kaepernick and get Trey Lance ramped up and then let Trey Lance go in and play. Because you got three years for Lance. And you and you were a quarterback away from winning a Super Bowl. Jimmy Butler, I mean, uh, not Jimmy Butler, Jimmy, Jimmy G, Jimmy Garoppolo was your problem. And you were a quarterback away from winning the Super Bowl. I mean... Jimmy G ain't it. I'll just say that. Jimmy G ain't it. So, Kaepernick got his workout in, and I think the the significance about all of this is that this is the starting point. We're now going to get to the point where somebody else is going to go ahead and give him a try. Now, the team I felt like should have gone ahead and picked him up from the beginning was Seattle. You had Russell Wilson. You have Geno. Having Kaepernick there, after you worked him out, would have made the most sense to help with making sure your quarterback room is good. Now you've gotten rid of Russell Wilson because you got tired of him. Why not just go ahead and bring in Kaepernick to potentially be your starting quarterback or a solid backup and then win the starting job. Now he is 34. He's been out the league for a bit. I don't think that matters much. For him, because twofold, one, he's been taking care of his body, and the league today is built to mold around a player like him. He was early in it. He was early in the true quarterback that was mobile, that could run, that could also throw. He also doesn't have all those miles on his body. I mean, that's the one thing that helps Tom Brady and even, for the most part, Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees in their careers of how they were able to be so long in the league. Eli Manning, they didn't take big hits. They did a really good job of not getting leveled, and Kaepernick at the beginning of his career was getting leveled. I bet you he's gotten smart on that. And at the same time, you've got these linemen that are getting so fast. I mean, Jordan Davis walks in at a four 40, at 300 and like 50 pounds. That's a man, baby. So, having a guy like Kaepernick could help you out long term. So, for the most part, with all of this, with all this being said, I think that this is a good stepping point for Kaepernick. I feel like someone else is going to pick up the phone and call him now. I do think there's about 10 teams he could start at. And, quite frankly, the backlash ain't going to be what you think. Who cares about those people that don't like it? Who cares? He's a capable quarterback. I mean, you go back and look at his numbers. Go back and look at his play. The one thing you have to take in consideration um, is, is probably one fold. We give grace to young quarterbacks when they deal with a ton of turmoil and change on their team. Like, for example... Alex Smith. Alex Smith is a really good NFL quarterback. He's not great. You might not be able to win a Super Bowl with him, but he was really good. He had like seven OCs in eight years. And that's the reason why the teams were really bad. He got a stable coach in Harbaugh. They did good. Same thing with San Francisco. You got to remember that they went to the Super Bowl, And then Harbaugh's last year, basically, he lost the locker room. He started losing the defenders. He was getting tired of dealing with, you know, because he's a super intense guy. And they went 8-8. Eight eight. Okay year. Not that great. Harbaugh gets kicked out. They bring in the gym coach, Jim Tomsula, who every single one of you guys know ain't no NFL coach. How we know he ain't NFL coach? He got fired a year in. They went 5-11 and 11 that year. With him and Jeep Christ Christ. I don't know who the heck that is. He was OC, got fired. Next year, they bring in Chip Kelly. After the bad situation that happened in Philly, you brought Chip Kelly here. Oh, his offense can work with a guy like Kaepernick. They can do some things. No. The problem that Chip Kelly had coming into the NFL is thinking that his college system would work was that his college system was built around having smaller players on the offensive and the defensive side of the ball. And they got abused. What happened to Chip Kelly? Oh, he got fired right afterwards. And so we blamed it on Kaepernick, but you can't overcome your coach schemes. That's not something that most players can do. But at the same time, Kaepernick was also hurt most of that time. He spent he had shoulder surgery, he had the injury, he had the, the contract extension, and so not to ramble too much about it, you gotta remember that the only reason why he didn't play is because if he if he they had riders on his contract that would pay him that they were trying to get rid of. Go dig into the, the to the details of it. There's a lot more details in there than you'd think. And then he didn't want to get traded to the Broncos it, to take a pay cut. The contract's already there. The Broncos didn't want to pay him, but we'll take him. And he's like, I'm not taking a pay cut when the contract's already signed. Take the entire contract and I'll come. They want him to opt out, basically. So with that being said, it's good for Kaepernick. It's good for the NFL because somebody's going to end up picking him up because they saw the first person, the first domino fail. It's going to be a trickle effect. Somebody else is going to pick him up and give him a chance. Love to see it. Time to wrap this bad boy up, put a bow on it. Uh, Let's talk about... OTAs so NFL voluntary uh, offseason training programs and all of that are going on right now and we've got our quarterbacks out there that's not going you have Baker Mayfield who's not going to go to the Browns you know rightfully so they don't want him so why should he go to OTAs even though their quarterback Deshaun Watson probably won't play for a few games because pending his suspension with all the investigations that's going on and then Lamar Jackson didn't go and now Lamar Jackson seems to be the one that a lot of people have jumped all over. And the question is why are we so concerned about Lamar not going? Why is it that big of a deal? So Chris Sims, a pro uh, football talk was on uh, and was talking about how players that talk about they want to be like Brady. They should act more like Brady. Brady wouldn't miss OTAs. The two times he did his team suffered and he never missed again. And that was like, like, uh, 2010 or 2011 something of that nature and that was during his contract disputes or whatever i guess you could say and so and of course lamar responded back why why is it that big of a deal why do you care so much i can't wait to get back there blah 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 so on so forth why are we that concerned about him going to voluntary workouts as if we don't think he's not training. We know that Lamar is one of those hardworking players. He's one of the hardest working players in the locker room. His teammates will tell you that. His coaches will tell you that. That's why they adore him so much. This is not a situation where it's a guy that is not working. Let's put it like that. We also have to remember that we are in the at the time now for Lamar Jackson that he's looking at a contract extension we're at that point. Everybody else in his draft class has gotten there as he ain't got his money yet. He's also his own agent, which i said in the past, I think that's a mistake on his part. Let them argue with them about how much they don't want to pay you. That's not something that we all should hear, but he does. He wants to do it himself. And so he's doing it. Now he needs to take time to actually go through the paperwork, look through all the legal stuff and figure this portion of it out. And that's probably what he's doing. He's probably taking the time to actually go through the contract stuff, go through all the legal over the last few months because it doesn't, it's not something you can just do overnight. It takes time to go back and forth between attorneys and yourself to figure out language and finalize stuff in contracts. So we can't compare the two. Like with Brady, he really didn't have disputes per se. I think he had one was around like 2005. He had a little bit of a snag and that was because he wanted more of, the the um bonus money up front instead of waiting for it over time in which would makes it un, not not guaranteed and that's something that um the patriots tried to do actually I'm sorry it's about that was in 2010 they proposed uh, a $24 million signing bonus in four installments which would have left half the money uh, potentially being not guaranteed. And Brady didn't want to do that. And so Brady's always done cap-friendly deals. That's something, honestly, I think for Lamar is something to consider if you want to be like Brady, is doing a little more cap-friendly one. But the cap's about to jump anyway once the new deal kicks in. They're going to see a, a, a big spike in revenue, and that's going to give them the opportunity to pay more to these players. So the question is, what does Lamar feel like he needs to be paid? I don't know Kyler's going for $50 million a year. Do you think Lamar's going to go after that? Or do you think Lamar is going to go ahead and settle with 35 to 40? I honestly think Lamar may go with the 35 to 40 deal, make it shorter. And I think I bet you the hang up. Now, this is not me reporting anything. This is all speculation on not my part. The hangup is probably that Lamar wants to go, do shorter years and the Ravens want longer. If they go longer, they can lock them in at a deal that could potentially be more of a savings on their part. He wants to go shorter and be able to renegotiate in a couple of years at a faster rate. I bet you that's where their hangup is kind of right now. Um, but that's something I got to figure out. So we'll see what it looks like for him. But I, th- I don't think it's that big of a deal that he's not at LTA. Y'all, y'all got to stop whining about that if he's not at training camp, I'm concerned. These are voluntary. He's probably just, he's, he's training. We know he's working hard. He's probably just getting all his legal stuff together. And so it's a big deal. That's it. Oh man. So, so, Appreciate you joining as usual here on unfair sports where we're taking a pensive approach to the sports conversation Mike, Bob and Wendy. Thank you so much for helping your boy out here on the back inside. So on the show, few updates, the show will be going to a permanent Monday, Thursday release. So I'll be recording on Sundays and Wednesdays, or even sometime throughout the week, Um, as well as no show for Memorial, the week of Memorial, day nothing on monday we'll have something on friday of next week most likely for the start of the nba finals and then from that we'll go right into starting in june the actual sunday and i mean monday and thursday releases so keep an eye out for that we'll be doing some good things gonna have some fun segments be created we're gonna be doing a little bit more um action for you all so hopefully you will enjoy it, and give us some feedback four three zero nine zero one one nine zero six. We really appreciate it. I've listened to everything, and um, hit us up with the question of the week and let, uh, of the month. Let us know the most irrational thing you did as a sports fan. So with that, we'll chop it up with y'all in a few days. Peace.
0: Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know it's just phone internet